If you do have your Bibles handy, grab them because we need them. If you don't need them, then uh, let me tell you, you need it. <laughs> we need our Bibles. No, borrow Isaac's drum. So I'm thinking clear. Mark chapter 4, if you've got it, people, in your Bibles, should be there. Just after Mark chapter 3, which is what we looked at last week. And if you have reading glasses, like all old people, grab them. And we're going to continue on in our journey through Mark's Gospel, looking at Jesus and how we can be carriers, carriers for Jesus, carriers for Jesus. You know, like the infection that we're, you know, the COVID-19 infection or any other kind of infection, you know, it's passed on from one person to another through a carrier. And it's the same with us. You know, Jesus is the same. You and I are here. If you're believers in Jesus tonight, you're here because someone was a carrier to you. It could have been a relative. It could have been a pastor. It could have been a stranger in the street that shared the gospel with you from a soapbox or something. It could be anything. But someone was a carrier of the message of the gospel or the message about Jesus or the kingdom of God or his love and forgiveness. Someone carried something to you. Amen. If, if that happened, then I want you this week, send that person or those people a message, all right? Let them know. And if they're not around, just thank the Lord and praise the Lord that you have an opportunity to uh, be a carrier just like they were to you. You can be a carrier to others, you know. And uh, we kind of think, you know, we're isolated here in Victoria. We can't really meet a lot of people. But um, Sonia and I went for a walk earlier with the kids. You know, we had two hours to go for a walk, but I don't think we took that long. But... The amount of people we went past, you know, we just said, hi, how you going? How you going? You know, just just a smile, just to bless somebody um, or, you know, just to say God bless you as you're walking past somebody um, or to pray for them even. We can all be carriers of something. You don't have to be a, an evangelist to carry the gospel. You just have to be a believer in Jesus. Anyway, I'll stop preaching and I'll start reading the Bible. Mark chapter 4, verse 1, New Living Translation. The parable of the farmer scattering seed, really, really common, popular kind of parable for us tonight. So I won't go too deep, possibly. Anyway, let's read, shall we? Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have any deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still, other seed... Other seeds fell on fertile, fertile soil and they sprouted, grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even a 100 times as much as, as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Could you imagine if that was my sermon tonight? I just told you a story about a farmer scattering some seed in four different locations and then just left it at that. Would that be, would that encourage you? 
Would you be left dumbfounded at that story? Because this is what Jesus did. You know, he went into went to all the uh, degree of getting into a boat because there were so many. There was a there, were, there was a very large crowd. Verse one says very large. This is the first time in Mark's gospel we see the word very large crowd. This is this is popularity. Jesus is popular. He is growing his church. He is getting numbers like you wouldn't believe. You know the stats on his district church board report thing would be amazing. You know, th- Jesus is calling the crowds. Everyone's everyone's checking him out. They're wondering who he is. They love the things he has to say. They love the things he has to do, especially if they can get some kind of healing for themselves or their loved ones. They love Jesus because of what he can do for them. And so here he is with a large crowd, right? And so if I had a large crowd at my church, which I really hope we could one day maybe, you never know, but I don't think it matters. Size size of crowd doesn't matter for me. But if if I had the opportunity to speak to a large, a very large crowd, I would start getting into the details. I think I would start getting into, well, I better not stuff this up. I need to make sure that I share exactly what God wants me to share. That's what I would do. And that's exactly what Jesus has done too. He has shared exactly what the Father has wanted him to share. We, we see here the story, right? A story is uh, what Jesus tells. But then what happens is we find the secret. Uh, he ends the story with anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Well, I've got ears. You've got ears, I hope. And we all hear, right? But the idea of the, the underline the word there, if you've got it, understand. Hear and understand or perceive. The idea being is that you've got to, you know, you do those jigsaw puzzles and you've got like 500 pieces or a 1,000 pieces and there's all these pieces there, right? But like the whole thing put together would make an amazing detailed picture of the world map or a bird or a person or something, right? But at the moment, it's a big mess. It just looks unorganized. But you know that if you work hard enough to put all those pieces where they should be, then you'll see the big picture, right? And that's what Jesus is saying. If you can, if anyone's got ears to really understand what's going on here and to respond to it, then this is the opportunity to do that. And so the disciples then, they get Jesus aside in verse 10. It says, later when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others. So there were others there. There was probably Mary from Magdala. Uh, and others there, there might have been Nicodemus, we don't know. But there were other people there that followed Jesus, apart from just the 12, right? The close ones, right? So the crowds left because they thought, well, this guy doesn't speak real well. His sermon isn't fantastic. I don't even understand what he's talking about. I can go out and watch a farmer myself and see what happens. What's Jesus really talking about? But there were some, the 12 especially, and a few others that thought, hang on a second. Jesus isn't just saying a story. It's not just a story. There must be a secret to the story, right? And so he says in verse 10, later when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. Now, parables are awesome. Parables are basically uh, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. All right, that's basically what it is. And Mark's gospel isn't very big on parables. Mark's not big on parables. Remember, Mark's writing to Greeks in Rome, right? He's writing to Roman Christians who weren't really big on the parables. They were big on the power of Jesus, 
the kingly status of Jesus, the servant heart of Jesus, the, the works of Jesus, you know, they weren't so, they weren't too busy. Um, they weren't so excited about the, the message of the kingdom as they were about the, the ministry of the kingdom, the method of the kingdom that Jesus brought. And so Mark basically gives us some parables, just enough to help us to understand what parables are and why Jesus taught them. But then the rest of Mark's gospel, all about action, all about action of Jesus, right? But here it says, they asked him what the parables meant. And so Jesus replied, you want to know the answer to something? You ask Jesus. So they come to him and Jesus replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. This is a secret. I want you to turn to the person next to you or tell yourself if you're listening to this or or watching this. I am permitted to understand the secrets about the kingdom of God. I am permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus has been with these disciples for a while now, possibly a year, maybe a bit more. And they've gotten to understand what he's really saying. Not so much the words coming out of his mouth or the or the works that he's doing, but what he's really saying. Like, could this really be God in a person, among us, with us, to save us, to, to save us from more than just Rome? Maybe it's something deeper than that. And, and they really believe there's something in this person, Jesus. And, and as Jesus has been doing all these amazing things and saying these incredible things, they've been, the, the, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been revealed to them, you know? And here they come to Jesus and they, they say, well, we don't un- actually understand this parable. But Jesus says, you're permitted to understand. You're permitted to understand. So who do you go to? Jesus. You know, there's some times in my life where uh, there might be a heavenly, I'm sorry, an earthly situation with a heavenly meaning. Have you ever faced those situations in your life where really pretty much they're every day? If our eyes and our hearts are soft enough or eyes are open enough and our hearts are soft enough, we can actually see God at work or hear from God. Here's an example. You ever read your Bible before? And uh, you'd just be reading something, you know, maybe in a gospel or um, something, you know, different that you haven't read before, maybe, or you have read before. And and just all of a sudden, the words just kind of leap off the page or and they hit you in the, in the heart or or you just have to go back and read it again because there's something about it. Have you ever, has anyone ever had that situation happen or is it just me? You know, where you're reading your Bible and then you just read that verse and you think, hang on a second, something in my spirit just put its ears up. Something in my spirit just went, aha, I'll read it again. And you read it again, and you you just don't understand what it's talking about, like in your head, but you feel like, hang on a second, maybe there's something in that for me. Or you might be out and about somewhere and, and, you know, you see a sunset or a sunrise, or you might see a waterfall, or you might watch your your grandchildren playing in 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 the playground, or you might just be eating dinner around the table with your family, and then all of a sudden you think, wow, and and some truth about God enters your mind, like God is a father, you know, to uh, to a family. And this is this is what this is some aspect of what maybe God might be in this. You know, has anyone ever been in an earthly experience, and then 
in the middle of it, you receive some sort of heavenly reality. Well, that's what's happening here. These people, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, tell us about these parables. And Jesus says, you're actually permitted to understand already. You're actually permitted to understand this already. In other words, Jesus can come and tell one of his followers a story about a farmer sowing seed and they should be able to get it without the explanation. Now, I'm no super Christian, but I found in my life a progression in understanding the way God speaks to me. He speaks to all of us in different ways. Ultimately, he will never speak to us in any contradictory way to to the Bible, right? But the word of God, the word of God, came before any Bible was written. The word of God spoke and said sun, and the sun existed. The word of God spoke and said moon, and the moon existed. The word of God even became flesh and dwelt among us in Jesus. The word of God is more than just the Bible. It's God speaking to your heart. God speaking to your heart. His spirit speaking to your spirit, aligning your heart your spirit to be more like his, to change little by little every day. Jesus is changing me. And so Jesus says to them, you're actually permitted to understand the secret. You know the secret to the kingdom of God. But he says, I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Now, you might read those words from uh, verse 12 there and think, it's a bit harsh. Doesn't God want everyone to hear and understand and be forgiven? Absolutely. Absolutely. He wants everyone to hear and understand and be forgiven. Absolutely. But it all depends on our heart, your heart, my heart, how we respond to the word that God gives us. So Jesus tells a story, tells the secret, talks about the secret. And then he goes on to give a sermon to the disciples, which is what everyone loves. They want, they want people to tell them what stuff means, right? That's why you like sermons that uh, tell you what stuff means because you don't have to think about it. You don't, have to, you don't have to ask God about it. And so here we go. Jesus is just giving a sermon here. And so he says in verse 13, if you, under, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, How will you understand all the other parables? Can we just stop there, please, in verse 13? Here we have Jesus telling a story, right, a parable, saying something about a secret about the kingdom of God, and then he tells the disciples that there is a key, in fact, in this story. This story is a key to all the other stories that Jesus will tell. In fact, This story is a key to all the other stories or teaching or deliverance ministry or healings that Jesus has already told or done. 
This story is a real key to understanding what Jesus teaches, what Jesus does, especially in Mark's gospel. And so Jesus tells them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how are you going to understand any more? And now for the next few weeks, we're going to actually look at some of the more, some of the other parables in, in Mark. In fact, all of them, pretty much we're going through all of Mark. But before we do, I'm glad that Mark has put this here saying, uh, with Jesus saying these words, because this parable is a key to unlock all the other parables. And so here we go with the sermon. This is Jesus's sermon, and it's mine too. Verse 14, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message and only, sorry, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Now, let's just stop there real quick. The seed is God's word. The seed is God's word, right? The word. The word of God is the seed. Now, Jesus speaking has been delivering the word of God. He's God. And he's been speaking words. He's been speaking the word of God. Right? He's been speaking the heart of God. Jesus, in another place, talks about the heart in a human perspective, where he talks about how out of the overflow of a man's heart or a person's heart, the mouth speaks. It's in the context of um, a good tree bearing good fruit and a bad tree bearing bad fruit. And it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And it's the, out of the overflow of the heart of God that the, the, his mouth speaks, his word speaks. You know, we, we read our Bibles and we get to know more of God as we read the Bibles. We get to know more about God as we read the Bible. Why? Because the Bible is, is the overflow of God's heart to the world. Old Testament and New Testament people. Just as much, I know it's tough in the Old Testament sometimes, but he's the same God, right? He demands justice, but he also is the one who steps in and takes the punishment in that justice scenario on a cross. And so he's a gracious God. He's a loving God. And anything that you can read about God in the Bible is basically is, is there because of his grace, because he's allowed that revelation to occur. All that we know about God is only because he has revealed it in himself, through himself, through creation or through people or through prophets or whatever. And, and out of the overflow of God's heart, he speaks. And Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father. We see that in Hebrews chapter 1. He's the exact representation of God. And Jesus himself said, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he's doing these amazing things. He's forgiving people of their sin. He's God. This is God. Jesus is God, right? And the word of God is the seed. The seed is the word of God. And where the seed lands, it's not soil because there's not different sorts of soil. They're just different environments. But where the seed lands is basically the heart response of a person. All right, think about this in the context, the current context of Jesus, right? He's got all kinds of people responding to him differently. He's got hard-hearted Pharisees, right? 
He's got people that go, oh, yeah, this is a good message, but then it might get a bit hard. He's got people that receive it on good soil. There's all these different people listening to it right there and then. And they just think he's telling a story about a farmer sowing seed, but really he's telling them about themselves and his message that he's bringing, the message of the kingdom. So the seed is the word of God, God's word, and where the seed lands is your heart or your heart response, to be more precise. My heart must be soft enough for the word to germinate. I'm trying to grow a, an avocado seed. Um, we've never done it before, uh, but I Googled it the other day because we've got some leftover avocado seeds and, um, and you basically stick some toothpicks in the side of it and dangle it over a glass of water and eventually the roots come out. I mean, it looks, looks great on Google, but uh, it takes some time and uh, obviously it takes some effort in the seed. But in the seed, in the avocado seed, it, it doesn't have the, the design of an apple tree in it. We know this, right? It doesn't have the design of an oak tree in it. it. It has the design of an avocado tree in it. In fact, it's got the design of more avocado tree seeds in it. It's got the design of producing more fruit, you know, multiplication. That's the design in that seed, right? And... The Word of God, the Word of God has in it the DNA, the design to produce more, more like itself, more like itself. If, but if I'm not willing, if you're not willing to receive the Word of God, then we won't be changed to be more like God. We, our hearts won't be more like God's heart. And so here Jesus gives the first illustration, the, the, the hard path, right? The first response is um, what I would call indifferent, an indifferent response. Now, the farmer sows the seed, right? Some of it goes on this path, which is where the farmer pretty much walks, probably in the field, right? And he, this person hears the message, but they just don't understand. In other words, they don't pick up the pieces of the puzzle, like we said before, and put it together. They just don't, they can't be bothered to try and figure out what it means for them. And it's the birds that come, which is symbolic, the evil one, right, comes and snatches seed from their heart. That's what we've read there. The farmer plants seed that fell on the footpath. It represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Now, Matthew says from their heart. So the seed, God's word was, was already received in their heart, but Satan takes it away. How? Because they did not appropriate that word. They might have thought, that's, that's a great message. Yeah, cool. All right, I, I mentally agree with that idea, Jesus. But then they don't put it into practice. And what happens is, if, if we hear a word from God, if you hear a word from God, like maybe in a sermon, or maybe just reading your Bible, or maybe just in prayer, and God just really speaks to your heart about some truth, right? If you don't put that into practice, that's become something that you understand and it doesn't produce fruit. It doesn't produce fruit. It, it actually can become a, a stumbling block for you. The devil can just come and snatch it away from their understanding, from their heart. Now, when Jesus talks about the heart, right, we know this. 
that he's talking about your understanding, your central processing unit, the, your faculty, right? Not your mind, very different, very different. In fact, the Bible doesn't really say about anything about believing with your mind at all, ever. In fact, we have to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and don't lean on our own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The heart is, is very, very important, and, and it's God's desire that we receive the message in our heart, not our mind, not our logic, but our heart. Now, not to negate logic and intellect. We love smart people, but they must be believers heart first, head following. All right? Heart first, head following. Otherwise, the devil can just come and snatch that away. And their response is, this isn't good for me. I don't need saving. I don't need this message. I don't need this. In fact, I'm a good person. And in fact, whoever says that I need this message must be the enemy. And this is the response that the Pharisees had to Jesus, all right? So the hard-heartedness. And the devil came and took away whatever Jesus spoke to them about in parables or in teaching. They would just have deaf ears one in one ear, out the other. They wouldn't even listen to it. They would listen to some of it, maybe, but they wouldn't put it into practice. And so they ended up being the people that were so evil they wanted to murder Jesus. They wanted to kill Jesus. And that is not God's plan. That is the devil's plan. All right, that's the first response, indifferent. The second response is shallow. Here it is. Verse 16, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now, understand, understand, underline that spot if you can, or highlight it on your, on your app. Uh, persecuted for believing God's word. All right. They're persecuted because of the word. Now, bad stuff happens to good people. Good stuff happens to bad people. But this is talking about persecution because of the word. All right. So if Jesus wants you to uh, forgive your your neighbors, right, and you choose not to, you choose to forgive them, but someone else thinks that's just wrong. And, and then you might think, well, actually, I, I want to be friends with them rather than, you know, having have a disagreement, so I'll just choose not to forgive them so I can keep a, keep a friend on this side, then that's because of the word. If there's anything that Jesus teaches us to do and you find it difficult to do, you're the rocky soil. Your heart is the rocky soil. It, you receive the message with joy. Oh, yeah, this is amazing. But don't get me to do this, Jesus. It's all about me. It's all about what I can get out of Jesus. It's all about what I can receive from him. But then once I start having trouble because of following his word, then I'm not in this anymore. The sun scorches it, it says. The sun scorches it. It's been there for a while. It hasn't been put into practice. It hasn't germinated and quickly falls away. They fall away quickly. Literally, it means at once they are offended. We get our word scandal from it. It's a scandal. There's a scandal involved. And I don't think I want to be involved in this scandal with Jesus. I just want to be okay with everyone else. You know, I want to keep the status quo and fit in with the majority of people. 
That's that kind of person, right? I got into this for me only, and now something has gotten in the way. I quit. I can't do this anymore. I've lost a loved one. I thought God loved me. I quit. I've lost a job. I thought God loved me. I quit. Not I quit going to church. I'm okay with people quitting going to church. But this is quitting following Jesus. This is quitting following God. I've seen, I've seen people like this. And I'm sure some of you guys have too. And it's sad. But because of the word, persecution comes and they quickly fall away. They walk away when something came up. And then there's the third response, which is the cluttered response. The thorns, right? In verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced, right? Okay, so here's this idea that there's fruit that needs to be produced. No other, none of the, response number one, response number two, there's no mention of needing fruit to be produced. It's just growth, right? But here, there's expected fruit. But there are three things that get in the way of this person or this, this heart becoming fruitful to God's word, right? Thorns, they hear the word, but they're choked by the world, the worries of this life, right? The Greek word is merimna, distraction. In other words, a divided focus. It's a divided focus. They take, things take our focus, the idea of undivided attention on Jesus, right? But then divided on something else. It's like Jesus and this. It's like a little bit of Jesus here, but we'll just leave him over there. We won't take him into this aspect of my life, okay? Because that's just, I don't think Jesus really needs to go there. Does anyone know about that? Whatever is taking your time is important to you, in other words. Some, some distraction that gets your focus, right? The divided heart, the worries of this life. Now, it's not life. Life's not the problem. It's the worries of this life. Life is good, but when we begin to worry in it, it gets our focus off of the word. It gets our focus off of the word made flesh, Jesus, right? And it's the, the second distraction is um, the lure of wealth or the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of wealth, right? Wealth's not the issue, once again. It's the deceitfulness of it. It's, it's to believe that wealth or riches, or having whatever you can will answer all your questions and ease all your troubles. And you just need to go and find some rich celebrity somewhere and see how happy they are. Without Jesus, without the word of God in you, and 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 allowing your heart to respond to that, you won't find happiness. You won't be able to buy happiness. No one can. But there's this lure, there's this deceitfulness of wealth out there that can distract the Christian from believing the word of God. And in fact, the early church, there was a lot of that. In When persecution came, uh, there was a lot of people that were walking away from Christ. In fact, they really weren't following Christ. They were just following some kind of religious system and being in the crowd. They weren't really having a relationship with Christ, letting the word impact them on a daily basis. They were just in the crowd pretending to be a Christian. And so the lure of wealth 
can take them away. And the last one is the desire for other things. In other words, Mark's just saying, well, Jesus is just saying everything else, everything else. You know, I I find that that hits me hard, that phrase there, the desire for other things. Because sometimes I can desire other things. If I'm blatantly honest, I can be, I can compare, you know, comparison is the robber of joy. Or um, you can, as a pastor, I can really come close to comparing myself with other pastors or comparing my church with other churches or comparing the way that I preach with other preachers or, you know, the way that I dress with, sorry, I'm daggy today, but comparison is the, is a thief of joy and contentment. And, and comparison can take your focus off of God's goodness. You know, God might have you in a, in a time of, of testing, a time where there's lack, a time where there's, there's not much looking good on the surface in order to t- teach you to grow roots deep. But some people think, well, that's just God not being good. So I'm just going to walk away. I'm just going to let that, um, distract me and I'm going to focus on getting what I can and, and achieving what I can so that I'm better than that person or I've got more than that person. It's, 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 yeah, that's what that's all about. Other things, the desire for other things. And guess what happens when all those things take your focus off of the word that God wants to grow in you? There's no fruit. There's no fruit. Now, that doesn't mean people surrendering their hearts to Jesus. This is not what fruit is. Fruit is just the byproduct of whatever this has in the seed, right? So the seed is the word of God. It's God's heart. And, and as God's heart, so to speak, bears fruit in the Christian's life, we, we begin to see attitudes like God's. We begin to see behaviors like God's. We begin to see power like God's. We begin to see love like God's and forgiveness. You get it, right? We become more like God. Not that we become God, but in Romans 8, 28, 29, I think it is, it's, it's God's plan for us to be conformed to the image of his son, to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the plan so that we can be more like Jesus. Not that we can be Jesus, but that we can actually be like him. We follow him. He's our leader. We're supposed to look more like him every day. And we can only do that if we get our focus off of those three things, really, and focus on the Lord and, and what he's saying to us each and every day. It's different for each person, by the way. Not everyone's a preacher. Not everyone's an evangelist. Not everyone's a worship leader. Not everyone's out, out in the front of everything. It's, it's God's got a gift for each and every one of us, right? And it could just be mowing a lawn. It could be baking cakes. It could be serving. It could be praying. Whatever it is, God has got a plan for you. And it's your heart's response to what that word is over your life. What happens is, those things can choke what God wants to grow in you. That's basically what Jesus is saying. That weeds, thorns, weeds, it grows up and chokes what God is trying to grow in you. Takes, takes the life out of it. Last one. The last one is um, the response of responsiveness. <laughs> it's very imaginative and creative. But it's the responsive heart. 
The responsive heart is the good soil, right? And Jesus says in verse 20, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as being planted. All right, I'm looking at the time, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do, but I don't. So hang in there, all right? This last verse, it reminds us once again that the seed is it's the word of God, right? And it fell on good soil. It represents those who hear and accept the word of God. Now, all of these responses, all these four responses, hear the word of God. They all hear, right? They all are listening with their ears. They are all listening to the words that are coming out of God's mouth, right? But it's how you respond to it. And it's, it's, it's a heart response. It's not a head response. It's a heart response. We're believers. We believe with our heart and our head follows. We transform by the renewing of our minds, but that comes from our heart surrendering to the word of God. And here the word of God is received in hearing, but it's also accepted. It's accepted. In other words, it's it's acted upon. It, it's responded to. Have you ever asked someone a question and they haven't responded? Or you sent someone a text or an email and you're still waiting for a reply? It's a bit kind of like that. God is always trying to get your attention and my attention in earthly ways, right? In parabolic kind of ways. Parable ways, big word. Parable ways, in earthly ways, but sometimes we just so focused on other things that we're not really listening to what God's trying to say to us. Sometimes we're focused on what's not going right in our lives, that we're just too preoccupied with all the stuff that's bad, that we're not really listening to what God might be saying in that situation. Even Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before the cross, and he's crying out with all he's got, blood coming from his forehead in, in sweat, praying, God, have your will. Not my will, but have your will. He's praying. He's seeking what God wants to do in the situation that's the most excruciating for him. And that's what we really need to be doing too, is that every situation we face, God is trying to actually speak to us his word, right? He's trying to speak to us his word, and he will always back it up in the scriptures. But sometimes you'll be out in the car or, or mowing the lawn or going for a walk, and the Holy Spirit will just pop something in your mind. And it's and it's then that we need to respond to it. We need to respond to it and act upon it, right? Because this is the this is the, res, the responsive response, the good soil. They hear it, they accept it. In other words, they understand it, right? They put it together, they they get the pieces. They don't quite understand it totally, but they, they understand that God's trying to speak to me through this verse. I don't know why I have to keep reading it, but I just do because it's speaking to my heart. You get it, right? Hopefully you do. But, but the result of that response is fruit. There's no striving for fruit. They're striving to respond to the word that God has planted in your life, in your heart. That's all the soil does. There is no life in soil. Now, I get it. There might be like microbiome, you know, things in there. But to grow the seed, the power is in the seed. The power is in the seed. The power to grow an avocado tree is in an avocado seed. There is no power in the dirt 
to grow avocado seed trees, right? It's dirt. Your dirt, I'm dirt. It's his word in the dirt that produces the life, that, that is the life, that produces the growth, that produces the fruit, that produces the tree, that produces the attitudes, the behaviors, the ministry, the whatever. It's as we focus on him and receive what he has to say for us. You see, sometimes we can get so focused on striving to please him, so focused on striving to do, to be, to act, to plan, to whatever. Instead of just coming to Jesus and saying, what are you saying to me today, Lord? What is it that you want me to hear from you? After all, you created the whole universe. What do you want to say to little old me today? And then spend some time responding to what he says to you, whether it be through his word, through the Bible, or through his Holy Spirit, which he has put into our hearts to lead us into all truth. That's what he wants from us. The result is fruitful. He produces a crop yielding 160, uh, sorry, 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Now this, I love this because what it says is there's, there's 30, there's 60, there's 100. There's, there's different responses. There's different, there's different manifestations of what God is doing in our lives. You know, sometimes it's 100, sometimes it's 60, sometimes it's 30. Sometimes it's a sermon. Sometimes it's a little gift. Sometimes it's praying for someone. Sometimes it's a bless you. Sometimes it's a casting out the demon. Sometimes it's an amazing miracle of resurrection. You know, there's all these different sized responses that God produces as we respond to his word. And it's little bit by little bit every day as we trust him. I want you to turn with me just as we close to James chapter 1, uh, verse 21. All right, so James 1, 21, and I'll go there too. It's so weird preaching without responses from people, but I hope you guys are getting this. All right, so um, send a notification. I'll read it later on so that I'm actually getting through or God is getting through, right? So um, James 1, 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Now, can I just stop there? And just remind you all that this is James writing, right? the half-brother of Jesus writing in the first century early church, right? Before, before your Bible was written, before the New Testament and the Old Testament were combined to create what we call a lot, the Word of God. This is this is this is profound. This is this is a scandal. This is outrageous. That that James would say something about the Word of God. What's he talking about? Is he talking about the Old Testament? Well, maybe. What's Jesus talking about when he says the seed is the word of God? Is he talking about the Old Testament? Well, we know no, he's not. In context, he's talking about what he's saying, what he's declaring, what he is declaring as he hears it from his father. The overflow of the father's heart through the son's mouth, basically. The word of God, right? 
And James is saying, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. This ultimately in context is talking about the gospel, right? The gospel of salvation, right? The word that God has planted in your hearts, that you are saved by him. All the promises are yours. You know, all the promises of Abraham are yours through Christ. All the promises of God are yours through Christ. Everything is yours in Christ because you are in Christ, right? He says, humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power. It has the power to save your souls. Always go back to what God has said because it has the power. You know, when you believe in the lies of the devil or believe in the lies of your own heart, go back to what God has said. What God has said has the power. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Act upon God's word. Otherwise, it's just a trinket sitting on the shelf, you know. We need to act upon God's word. You know, whatever God is calling you to do, act upon it. Now, I don't want to get weird on anyone, but sometimes, sometimes it, it has to get like this. I remember one time when I was at Bible college, uh, and it was really, really weird, but I was driving out of Bible college, and I was heading into Newcastle, into town, late at night, and uh, it was probably about 9 o'clock at night, and I was heading into town to uh, to be part of a street ministry where we would give out free tea and coffee and hot chocolate and toast and stuff like that, sausages and whatever. And we would have a little area called a chill-out zone, and we'd just sit and talk to some of the revelers that would go out nightclubbing or some of the homeless people that would come and get some get some uh, food and, and uh, some care and just someone to talk to, right? So I'd go to this thing, right, in, in Newcastle. And as I was leaving Bible College in the dark, right, we're in the bush, this Bible College was in the bush, in the dark, and I get to an intersection and I turn left onto the main highway and I'm travelling along the highway and all of a sudden I feel this sensation in my heart that I've just done the wrong thing. Not so much the wrong thing, but I needed to turn around. I needed to turn the car back to where I came from. And it just wouldn't leave me. And I thought, wow, that's really weird. Why do I need to do that? So I'm stupid enough. So I did, right? There was no logic involved in this. There was just a feeling, right? So I, I exited I exited the highway, went underneath on the, on the underpass, and then went back on the highway, went the other way, and, and back to where I came from. And I turned right into that uh, street that I turned left out of. And as I turned right into that street, lo and behold, there was a car parked on the side of the road that wasn't there before when I turned left. It was parked there and it had its lights on and it was idling, parked. Now this is at night time. I'm on my own and I'm not very strong. And I thought, wow, what if this is some kind of weirdo? What if this is, I don't know, what should I do? Should I help this person? Are they, they didn't have their bonnet up or anything. There was no hazard lights on. There was just this car parked there. And, uh, but I felt, Again, in my heart, I felt, this is okay. I'll, I'll just pull up next to it, put my window down, stay in the car. And so I did that. I pulled up next to it, put my window down. Their window went down. You know, all these imagine, these imaginations of uh, guns being drawn and whatever are coming to mind. But none of this. There's this elderly man, probably in his 80s, sitting in the car and looking at me. And I could see him because of his interior light. And I had my interior light on. And he looked at me and I said, G'day, mate, are you okay? And turns out he was lost. 
and he'd taken the wrong turn and he, and he told me where we needed to go. And I said, well, actually, I know where that is. So I told him where to go and, uh, and, he, got, and, and he got on the right track. And then I thought, well, that was it. So then, and then I felt I needed to go into Newcastle to do that ministry again. And so I did that. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not boasting at all about anything. I'm not saying that I hear from God. I'm not saying that I hear God speak to me like, and, and no one else does. But what I'm saying is that there I was. I had my own hang-ups, by the way, in my own life. I wasn't really, really, really 100% walking with Jesus at that point. But God was thinking, well, this guy's available. This guy's available, and maybe he might just listen to what I want to say to him by my spirit. And so I did that, right? And I'm saying this not because of anything, any goodness of me. I'm saying this because it's available for all of us. The secrets of the kingdom of God are available for you and for me too. We can have earthly situations that have heavenly meanings every single day. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be 11. You can be 76. You can be 89. As long as your heart is receptive enough to hear what God is saying to you and that you might be brave enough to respond to that. All right? We're going to leave it there for tonight. There's so much in that passage, but we're going to ask the Lord Jesus to bless it to our hearts. Uh, even if we don't understand it all, we're, allow we're allowing his Holy Spirit to really minister to our hearts right now. So, But I wanted to just, I guess, maybe give you the opportunity tonight. Maybe there's some people here that are watching this video throughout the week, and you're not sure if your heart's right with God. You may be not sure if, if you died tonight that you would actually go to heaven. And maybe you're not sure about that. And that's okay, because a lot of people have that kind of feeling. But I wanted to encourage you tonight to put your trust in Jesus. So I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if you'd like to accept Jesus to be your Lord, and you can walk away from tonight knowing that your sins are forgiven, and you have a place in his home in heaven. All right? And you might even be able to walk with him from here on, knowing that he is speaking to you and trying to minister to your heart. And from here on, we all might have hearts that are like that good soil and not focused on other things in this world. All right, so let's pray. God, we just thank you so much that you love us. We're sorry for our sin. We come to you now, Lord God, and ask for you to forgive us. Thank you that you have sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Forgive us our sins and help us to hear your voice each and every day. We might be carriers of your goodness to the people around us. Feeble as we are, frail as we are, imperfect as we are, but Lord, our hearts are soft to your word tonight because your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Your word is living and active. Your word is able to save our souls. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.